All right, we're back today, Empires of the Future, talking about uh, rest. And it's really funny, um, you know, the day sometimes how they turn out, because I have not had a calm day <laughs> talking about rest. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's funny that when you want to talk about a, something like that, uh, I think it's it, sometimes this happens like when, with my preaching. If I'm pre- preparing, studying for a specific uh, text that deals with something like anger, uh, seems like that's when I've been the most angry that week. <laughs> Lord's like, given my... you stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's given me illustrations. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry that hasn't been very restful today. Why not? Why, what's going um, on? I, it's one of those days where I knew there were some things to do and then some things jumped in in the middle of the day too that is kind of like, you want to deal with this? How about this thing that you've been thinking about and knew was sort of coming for two years? Here, start dealing with it in this sort of five-minute span that you have right now. Um, or, you know, just areas where it's like, I'm not wise to know what's going to happen one years and three years down the road, but this person's asking me questions about those sorts of things, and I would like to say something. Um, but I, I knew where I wanted us to start today is something we haven't talked about and one that's changed for you in particular very recently and one's in the last two years that's changed for me is, so what it right now... Uh, how many jobs are you working? And how's that going for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Technically three jobs. Um, so I uh, obviously I'm, I'm part-time at the church. I uh, have the, the joy and privilege to serve as, as the, the teaching pastor at, for, at um, Redeemer Fellowship Church. Uh, I also have my real estate license, so I work as a, as a real estate agent as well. Um, and then I also just recently picked up a, a part-time job uh, here at First Southern uh, doing maintenance on the building. And so, technically, I work ten jobs. Or, excuse <laughs> me. Jobs. Excuse me. Three jobs. Freudian slip. Yeah, uh, it can feel like ten jobs sometimes. But uh, no, three jobs. And uh, the answer to the question, "How's it going?" Um, somewhat remains to be seen because it's relatively new. Right. Um, I've only been doing the the ten hour a week maintenance work for uh, three weeks. Yes. Now. And so, um, so to a certain degree, remains to be seen. But so far, going well. Um, yeah, so far going well. It, it's an interesting thing to talk about rest in the midst of this yeah. kind of period for me. Uh, certainly whenever I, I talked about as a, you know, 20 year old saying, I, I think I want to be a pastor, um, and working through that, um, I guess the potential for, for bivocational ministry, I always knew was there, um, because, the overwhelming majority of pastors are uh, part-time yep. or, or unpaid. So, so bivocational ministry is is actually the norm, right. uh, more so than than guys who are paid full time to be a pastor. Um, and so, but <clears throat> the idea of okay uh, to to do ministry in the context that the Lord kind of puts you in, and uh, where you have a desire to be, which is which is where I'm at, uh, sometimes means uh, you have to do certain other things to make ends meet. And so, right. uh, so by God's grace, I'm doing it and, uh, he's been good to me and to my family. And so, uh, so yeah, the question of how's it going, uh, successfully and that my family is eating and my, uh, my church is also, uh, being pastored. Uh, so successfully in that sense, the question though, maybe gets into how are things going, uh, with regards to the topic at hand being rest. Yes. And, uh, we can certainly talk more about it, but, um, yeah, I I I would say that rest is far more difficult 
yeah. in this season of my life. You know, and, and you're in a period where, you know, you got your real estate license a little over a year ago. Yeah. And so that it's not as if you have just settled into how that world all works. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that I, I will say, you know, we talked last week about five challenges in ministry that are uh, that are sort of new. And one of the challenges we didn't talk about that is perennial to ministry is managing your time mm. and trying to do all of the tasks that are involved in it. Um, it's not easy to care for the spiritual needs of a congregation um, and to be available at all the times when you might need to be available. It changes every week. And so there are def- some definite challenges to that. Um, then the other thing that I think would be a, a, a helpful kind of um, friend to this podcast is the one we did a few weeks ago about hobbies, that mm-hmm. a good way to measure how you're doing in terms of um, sort of the balance in your life is, do you have time to relax? And are you able to relax in the time when the Lord gives you? Yeah. Um, you know, you said something to me yesterday, just in a couple of minutes, thinking about these things we're going to talk about today, um, about... We don't have a great track record in um, in Protestantism in particular. It's like the uh, because of the Protestant work ethic or whatever is going on. We have some heroes who have really burned themselves up and burned themselves out to some degree, yeah. um, and and not a lot of great heroes who model for us um, the thing we're talking about today mm-hmm. in in terms of resting and trusting God to handle the things that God will handle and trusting others that He puts in your life. Um, you know, I don't, I cannot name for you a sort of, um, hero that was held up in seminary or anywhere else who, who would say, oh, they had a real gift in delegation. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's often we hold up these people who took on the world to some yeah. degree, you know, a Martin Luther who we talked about him yesterday. You know, he did spend time with his family. He's known for that table talk came out of just being with his family and, and mm. knowing how to rest to that degree. Um, but who'd you mention yesterday as a, a worker? Um, uh, well, Charles Spurgeon, right. Um, there, there's a host of others, like a lot of, a lot of great theologians, um, that, that we would credit for great things that they've written work that they've done. That's been a benefit to the church and to the Christian faith. A lot of them died young, right. Uh, and had all kinds of health problems, uh, some some perhaps were not. Yeah, Calvin's a great example. Yeah, not often talked about. Had gr- gr- a lot of health problems. Yeah, and and certainly we couldn't chalk them all up to not resting well, but also uh, a lot of them were were known for having not rested. Yeah. a bunch. Uh, they would work long long hours of the day on very little sleep, uh, and would to a, to a large degree, I think. Um, run themselves into the ground working. Yeah, and that's a um, Martin Luther story all over the place. You yeah, know? Uh, yes. yeah. And and with great passion and certainly uh, with great effect. I think the Lord used a lot of their work, a lot of their ministry. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't point anyone to those people if I was going to encourage them to find a model for um, for how best to well both rest, but also um, oftentimes how best to. Uh, to balance yeah. uh, your family and your vocation yeah. uh, and, and your ministry and all these kinds of things. The, the ideal answer would be, well, your family is, is a part of your ministry so that you are not sacrificing ministry for your family. But as people in ministry know, that's oftentimes... Yeah, you better have some guardrails <laughs> on how much time you are yeah. certain to give your family on yeah. a weekly basis because you can have those guardrails overrun if you don't. Um, you it's very easy. can. And yeah. a part of this is on us too. We love dramatic stories about, you know, like... 
Luther realized how important it was for people to read the Bible in their own language. So he said himself that he would go ahead yeah. and translate the scriptures into just everyday German of his time, which is like, well, that's laudable. Oh, yeah. And we love big, challenging stories like that, but some of the stories about him are like just nearly burned himself yeah. out um, mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. And frankly, a part of his temperament could be the result of that. He was a very fiery, sometimes angry person. And um, you can't detach that from, it certainly could have been a result of being a workaholic. Right. Um, people, if you've never been around somebody who's a driver, people who are driven tend to drive others. You either get along with the program or you get out of the way. Um, so, this is the realm where we're going to be today, and I can throw out there that in the last two years, I have changed from uh, student ministry and then added on um, being an interim music minister, which has been a full-time position at First Southern as well, and I was both of those um, for a period of, um, what's, what's strange about it is um, I was the student minister and interim music minister, and then after a year and uh, a half of that or so, I was music minister, not really interim student minister, but trying to keep it up until we could go ahead and bring someone on. And praise God, we have now brought someone on yeah. <laughs> because that was a very challenging period. Yeah. Um, and so now, you know, uh, I have the privilege of getting to serve as a minister of music and being an associate pastor, trying to uh, trying to take care of people and their spiritual needs and to... Um, what's interesting as a, as a minister of music is you get to be uh, the MC of a worship service every week and try to put all the elements together and make sure to communicate with different people who are involved, what's expected, and um, there's way more to that than you might expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's a joy. It's a different kind of challenge uh, and uh, enjoying everything that's involved. But in some ways, another thing that I can say about this is that um, for 20 years I was basically... In, in the churches where I served, it's not always the case in, in churches, but in the churches where I served, I was functionally kind of a junior staff member. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, moving to more of a senior staff member position. And that's been challenging just in that there's a lot more to manage, mm-hmm. a lot more time uh, crunches that you're involved in, a lot more schedules of different people. Um, and so um, that is kind of where I am last let me ask where one more question of you just and kind of yeah how how uh how are you sleeping just to say last night what time did you go to sleep what time did you get up this morning yeah that's a good question uh because I literally told my wife yesterday as we were sort of thinking through what was ahead of us in the evening um and she asked how, how much work do you have to do that's a common question I sure. get from my wife as we're sort of like uh, maybe getting home from school and work and all these things um and the answer is always more than I'm going to get done. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost always the answer. Uh, because in addition to, to the three jobs, I also am taking a seminary class as well, mm-hmm. um, which sort of adds that extra yep. extra thing, you know, which takes up a lot of my time working in the evenings. Um, but I, I told her, I said, yeah, I certainly have work to do, but I said, regardless, I'm going to be home uh, around like 8, 8.15. Mm-hmm. And I plan on being in bed at like 9.30 because I was wore out. Yeah, I had gone the past. So, so last night I slept from about nine thirty until uh, six fifty this morning. Okay. Um, but the previous nights before that, probably starting Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, uh, very different story. Very different story. Staying up late, finishing things for seminary, finishing things up for uh, things related to the church, uh, just you know various things. Um, I was probably Saturday night through Monday night. 
and I say this to my shame, uh, averaging maybe four and a half to five hours a night. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, not great, but uh, something that I recognized yesterday, hey, I feel it today. Sure. I'm going to do what I can to get to bed at a decent hour. And another thing we should say for anyone who might be listening going, that guy sounds tired. Well, one thing that happened today, tell tell what uh, this morning has caused your voice to be a little scratchy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we had our, uh, our duct work in our house cleaned uh, this morning, which involves taking a, a big brush like that's motorized and running it through your duct work while it, it spins around really fast, just uh, and then a vacuum, vacuuming all that out. Um, yeah, it kicks up a bunch of dust, and <laughs> I probably should have, uh, I don't know, found some place to be while, while that was being done, uh, but I didn't. I hung around while, while he was working and noticed near the end as he was sort of getting done. <clears throat> yeah. Throat started to be scratchy, and I started to have a little bit of a cough, and, and it has hung around since, <laughs> since that was done this morning. So anyway, pardon that. It's not the tiredness. I actually feel wonderfully well-rested today. Very good. Uh, but uh, just a little bit of something going on in my throat. And I've got my tea to drink again, but once again, I put it in my stainless steel mug, and it is entirely too hot to drink. So it's serving. <laughs> I'm trying, but it's, it's killing me here. I think these are really just good sort of stopgap questions to ask to get into this. Um, because, you know, for instance, um, typically I'll be asleep uh, maybe 10, 1030. Last night it was 1030. Um, I try to get up at five right now and I'm pretty successful about that lately. Now I had a strange night last night, which kind of happens sometimes where I, um, at 4am this morning, I, I found myself awake thinking about just church stuff, trying to organize things who I might need to talk to about that. And, um, so I just stay, ended up staying up because I couldn't fall back to sleep. Uh, our daughter wakes up guaranteed the middle of the night every night. So typically I'm going to have something like midnight to two or three where I'm going to have a, hey, wake up because we got a moment here. Um, and so sometimes then I can't fall back to sleep for a while. I'm thinking about all the things that are going on. But um, we're going to get into these things as far as there is a difference between rest and sleep, but they are related. Yeah. Um, and... It's an interesting topic, especially when you think about it from a theological point of view. Because if, if so, anybody who kind of goes, I don't, I'm not quite sure what the Bible says about rest. It actually says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to get into that. One strange thing about this is, in order to look into this, uh, I had to go quite a few places. Um, and where I've landed for our um, article is what is called a Bible dictionary. Um, and this particular one is called the Holman Treasury of Key Bible Words. 200 Greek and 200 Hebrew words defined and explained. And I mean, what a barn burner of a title that is. Um, But if you've never looked at a Bible dictionary, it's a very useful thing. Um, It just takes topically various items from the Bible and says, here, you know, here's 10, 15 verses about this topic. Obviously, some sections are shorter and some are longer because the Bible does have more to say about some things. Um, And so that's what this is. Um, and so we'll talk, there are some details that we'll get into about this because I I don't think most people that I know, I would not just say we rest well. Mm. I don't, I don't think we do it. Right. Um, I don't think we know how to do it. Uh, and I don't think we're informed by what God wants to tell us even from the scriptures about rest. Right. Um, and so we're going to be there, um, today, but we want to get really practical about it. Um, So, uh, the first thing that this article says, quote, the most important rest spoken of in the Old Testament is a spiritual rest, not the rest needed to gather strength in order to go on with some physical task. Uh, The Hebrew word shakat means to be at peace. 
to rest, to be quiet, or to calm. Uh, it refers to many kinds of rests, rests from political turmoil, from war, from confusion, and in general, rest from all of one's human or spiritual enemies. End quote. So, rest, first of all, is broader than sleep. It encompasses sleep. So, mm-hmm. rest is a bigger concept than mm-hmm. sleep. Um, and there is an idea, another article um, that I, I ran into talked about, there is in the scriptures sort of a very down-to-earth kind of reference to rest, and then there's a deeper spiritual reference to rest. Um, and so rest is a funny concept because we all know something about it. Yeah. We know what it is to sit down after a hard day's work. Um, we know what it is to relax. It's not as if we don't know what this means. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think in our time, part of the biggest problems of our time is we have been given conveniences. Mm-hmm. But strangely enough, we're looking around going, you know, I know I'm not working as hard as, you know, uh, coal miners in the 1800s. Yeah. I, I know that the, the difficulties are not what they experienced. Um, I know the dangers are not what loggers experienced, you know, in... 1920 right um that we have increased medical care and we have increased entertainment and and we should be and in some ways we are further along in being able to relax i mean look i mean one thing you can even see from there is look if you have a medical condition that is daily causing you pain that's going to create troubles in resting right but yeah medical care is magnified a hundredfold in the last hundred years in terms of what we can do for people yeah and so that's helpful. But meanwhile, we have these spiritual issues that are keeping us from resting. You know, for instance, things we talked about last week in, in, in the podcast on the challenges, screens. I mean, yeah. if nobody's ever read an article about how staring at your phone and blue light will cause you to not sleep well, please read that. Yeah. Because it, it, staring at screens is a particular challenge related to sleep. It's a bad practice to lay down in your bed and spend the last 30 minutes of your day looking at your phone. Yeah. No matter what you're doing with your phone, because that kind of light, we are we are physical embodied creatures tied to the earth still, whether we think we are or not. And when the sun goes down, if all the other lights around us are off, our body begins to say, hey, by the way, I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, don't you think that it might be coming to time for you to go to <laughs> yeah. sleep too? Yeah. And then we go, oh, look at this. I got all these electric lights. I got all these things that are entertaining me. I could probably stay up forever. It's like, well, no, <laughs> you can't. Your body might get mixed signals, but... Uh, there's a reality coming. Yeah. There's a reason why uh, in the winter months, as it starts to get darker way earlier, you notice, man, I'm starting to get tired way That's early. right. I don't really feel that tired at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the summer, whenever the sun is still out, uh, and it's still plenty plenty daylight outside. But in the wintertime, when it gets to be 5.30, 6 o'clock, oftentimes I think, man, I already start to feel like I'm slowing down a little bit, like I right. get a little wore out, and that's why. Um has to do with that. Yeah, I think there's something to a lot of what you said, especially about the, the coal miners, the way people used to work in times previous, whenever a lot of it was was more manual labor. I mean, that's not to say there aren't people that don't still do those kinds of jobs today. Obviously, there are still coal miners, there are still loggers, there are still bricklayers, all those things. Um, but many of us, even in some tough working industries, have greatly benefited uh, from technologies that have made our work much easier. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. You know, we don't want to complain about that. But at the same time, our work has gotten easier. I think 
how we rest has and rest itself has become less and less understood and therefore more and more neglected. Uh, people aren't resting the way they ought. And I think this goes for Christians and non-Christians alike. Yeah. <clears throat> people who are, um, who are followers of Christ uh, and who have the scriptures at our disposal. As you said, there's not a whole lot written about rest. Um, and therefore I, th- I think it demonstrates that even Christians struggle with this. And I think there's some reasons why I think one reason would be easy to say that many people find identity in the wrong things. Yeah. Um, people find their identity in their work and their performance and their profession and their careers, which is a strong deterrent to rest whenever rest means to a certain degree, not focusing on those things. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to rest from those things if you think that who you are is wrapped up in those things. Rest, to a certain degree, then becomes a sort of nebulous place where you go to and you lose a little bit of who you are. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not working, if I'm not succeeding in this area or another, who am I? And I think that's a serious problem and one that the Scriptures address. Yep. Certainly, to start with, as Christians, we know our identity isn't found in our work, in our right. vocation, in our career careers, and whether or not our name is known. Um, that's not, not where our identity is found. It's, it's found in Christ. Yeah. You are not your work. You are not your gifts. You are not your talents. God, God hasn't (laughs) made you his child because of any of those things. It's so important for all of us to know because we are so tempted to identify ourselves with our work or our gifts or our talents or something like that. Yeah. And then to say, this is why I'm valuable. Everyone look at what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why a huge part of, of rest is tied up. And in, in, in like even this article says, which I think is great, uh, that the word rest refers to all kinds of things, political turmoil, rest from war, rest from confusion, uh, rest from all one's human or spiritual enemies. Um, it, we might not always find ourselves in political turmoil uh, or things of the like, but we certainly can understand the need to... Um, to get away from the the struggles of life, yeah, uh, and to find rest from those, peace from those, mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree, absence from those, um, is a large part of what rest is. Which doesn't mean absence of everything. Rest doesn't mean there is nothing going on uh, inside your head or in the world around you. Yeah, uh, but it does mean whatever it is that that calls for your time, for your attention, for your effort, for your labor. Uh, there needs to be rest from those things. Yeah, yeah, and and. One thing that I, um, there's a lot of introductory things you can say about this, and even some of the actual summary points that we have here help us to point to some really important things about rest. But another thing that I I really think needs to be mentioned um, is that we are told now that we live in some sort of information economy or service economy. Well, look, uh, being embodied creatures means if your mind is exhausted and your body hasn't done anything physically beyond typing or writing, you're out of balance. And that makes for a very strange experience where your mind might be very tired and your body is not. And everybody, I think, has experienced that. Yeah. Um, but then, so, so this kind of couples with discussions of hobbies and, and even activity from a standpoint of, we do need to be doing something physically, even if your job doesn't require you to do a lot of manual labor. Um, we are made in such a way as our body is made to cycle through energy. You eat in order to do things. 
And this is a part of why exercise is important. And plenty of people, some people hearing this, well, oh, he's telling me to exercise again. Well, look, I know that some of you hearing this are saying, well, I work a job that keeps me there 12 hours every day. Okay, that's a problem. And you need to, you need to pray and figure out how you head that off because that's not healthy for you if you can't be balanced. It's more than just you trying harder. Mm-hmm. It's looking at your life and going, oh, if I'm out of balance, I want to need help yeah. to get there. Um, and, and those are the kinds of prayers that God answers for sure. Um, and so that element of it, I mean, we can be in a service economy, uh, and we are in a lot of ways, um, but that doesn't mean that we're not still embodied creatures, that, that God didn't make us as a spirit body tied together. He's very peculiar sorts of creatures that we are. And so the, the rules still apply, even though you've read, I've read hundreds of things that kind of say, oh, things have completely changed. And it's like, but fundamental rules still apply. Right. You know, that is one thing that's true. If you went to a coal miner in the 1880s, he's still a human being with certain amount of energy, cares, concerns. I mean, the same as you're a human being. And while we do live with all these instruments and devices now, that doesn't change fundamental human realities. Um, so let's point to a couple other things about this. I, I had not thought about this scripture at all. Isaiah 32, 17. Um, he's, in this article, um, E.E. Carpenter and P.W. Comfort, who, who wrote this article, by the way, Israel had not yet learned, they say, that peace and rest was the fruit of righteousness, which is a very powerful thing to say. Mm-hmm. And we as the church who ought to know the fullness of what God wants for us in the scriptures, uh, do we think about that peace and rest is the fruit of righteousness, even from the start? We're about to get into some details of that. Yeah, rest is still challenging. Even if, if, you, right. if you absorb every single scripture we point to today, rest is still going to be challenging. Let me say that. But what a powerful point that peace and rest is the fruit of righteousness. Yeah. And, and, uh, and ultimately, and we're going to, if I'm jumping the gun here, Jackson, just tell me. But when we think about uh, the Sabbath uh, and what the Bible has to say about why the Sabbath was instituted, what its purpose is, yeah. um, and what it ultimately is pointing us to, pointing us to, is it's pointing us to a rest that is to come for believers that yeah. ultimately uh, will come in Christ Jesus. Well, that we we find in Christ Jesus, but that ultimately we will experience. Uh, when we are in glory. Right. But well, we can start on a practical level. There's like, like a life pattern that we are right. given in the scriptures, which is you ought to expect to rest for a day out of every week. Right. That's just a scriptural pattern. And hear me say this. It is not a rule or some sort of, uh, it, it was a part of the law in the Old Testament. We have the revelation of Jesus that says, yeah, that was given to you to help you. It's my summary of when Jesus says, you know, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to, the, for man. The Sabbath was given as a gift to man to say, hey, keep in mind, you're not a robot. You should expect about every six days you'll go, whew, I got pretty tired. <laughs> I probably better go and do that other thing where I spend some time relaxing, probably with my family and an atmosphere where I'm not working, specifically not working, but where I am dedicating it to rest. And God does this as an example. Mm-hmm. It's God rests. It, he didn't rest because he needed to rest. He rested because we need to rest. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to show that to us from the beginning. 
mm-hmm. right? That's this is not. I mean, this is very. They're not deep in the scriptures. This is Genesis right. one, Genesis two. I mean, this happens, and so the thing that you're pointing to makes it very exciting, um, and that is, yes, there is a rest coming, um, but right. even. God is caring for us at the very beginning saying, here's a pattern you better take stock of because of what you are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I would say also besides just that it's pointing to that, uh, but also, and when we say it's pointing to that and something to look forward to all of that, you know, the, he says in the article, uh, Israel had not yet learned that peace and rest uh, was the fruit of righteousness. And I think it gets at something to say that <clears throat> even from the, from the day the Sabbath was instituted, uh, and what the purpose of it was, um, it, it was in part a picture of um, and pointing to the finished work of Christ. And it's a, it's also, in addition, it's given as a command uh, in recognition and, and in obedience to the Lord, <clears throat> so that there is something righteous about observing the Sabbath. Right. To where if you reject that, that is something that's unrighteous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, from, I mean, from the Old Testament laws and what we see in the Old Testament scriptures is that it is not just unwise in that uh, you will be extra tired if you don't rest on the Sabbath, yeah. even though that's true. Yeah. Uh, it's also the case that it was ungodly yeah. to not rest on the Sabbath. Yeah, I mean, here's a hard line to me I can draw from that point you're making. When are you a workaholic? You're a workaholic if you don't know how to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, but I like to accomplish things. That makes me feel better. Oh, sure. I get that. But if you don't know how to rest, it's unhealthy for you and it's unhealthy for your family and the people that you're around regularly. It just is. Um, Because the pattern God gave to all of humanity for their good, all of us. Um, And so within that, yes, there are different temperaments. That's all fine. But still yet, the pattern is still the pattern and and we ought to take stock of it. Um, Let me point to just one other section of the kind of the general trajectory of the scriptures about this. Um, He says in in here in this article, uh, quote, the writer of Hebrews asserts that there is still a rest for those who believe in Christ. Believers have entered that rest already. That is, they have entered it in faith through Jesus. That's in Hebrews 4. Uh, We do not have to worry about our lives because the Lord takes care of us. He will help carry our burdens and give us the strength we need to endure. Believers can also hope for and anxiously await our final rest, which will be in heaven with Jesus our Savior. We'll be free from sin and we'll live for eternity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that one of the greatest summaries of that point is uh, from Augustine in his Confessions. He says, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most helpful life verse, uh, life, uh, summaries, uh, kind of a life-giving summary, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that I've ever heard from any theologian ever is this line from Augustine in Confessions, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. So here's what's weird about this. We've said a lot about how we don't do a good job of resting. Another thing about this is that you need to recognize there's a certain part of the restlessness in your heart that is right Mm -hmm. and that you should long for the kingdom. And that longing, uh, that is identified, uh, as joy by C.S. Lewis, the, the reason we don't experience a lot of joy is longing. That longing hurts because we want a better world. And you see news stories and things every day that, that make you hate this world. And the scriptures tell you don't love the world. And it's not hard when you see some of this. But that longing points you to a better place that your heart is so afraid to believe in. Because you're afraid it's not true. But the hope in, in Christ is not only that there's a better place that you're already secured there. 
mm-hmm. that he's, he has you in the palm of his hand. And, um, so th- this has been so good for my soul, frankly, yeah. you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you because there was a part of my heart and there's still a part of my heart every day that is restless because this is not the world I was made for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in some of this, but I know now why I'm here. I mean, you, you see the mission of the church and you go, well, goodness gracious. Yes. People need hope and they need love for sure. They need it. They're dying without it every day. Um, but this writes your heart to, to, to point yourself in the right direction. While, while on days when you are tired. Okay, good. There's, there's good things to spend yourself on. But know who you're working for and that he's not the kind. I mean, uh, I'm hearing the scriptures in my heart right now. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, because I'll give you rest. The world has no rest to offer you. Yep. It'll burn you up. Man, it will. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And when we look around this, you know, this world around us, and we see all the, as you said, all, I mean, everything, uh, the pain, the suffering, the, the torment, um, even as we go through life and we experience weariness from our work, from our labors, we toil, um, all of this sort of points us to the spiritual realities behind them and that, that I think uh, we ought to see in the scriptures, especially regarding the Sabbath, and that the, the Sabbath is more than just rest. The, the, the rest that's described in scriptures is more than just a physical rest from work, a physical rest from our labors. Uh, while we do that, and when we recognize the Sabbath, uh, and, and that was true all throughout the scriptures, <clears throat> we recognize that, hey, a part of it is a resting from our physical labors. But even more than that, it points to the reality that's true of, of Jesus Christ and, and where our righteousness comes from. That yep, yep, yep. we as as believers, we have a righteousness that's not our own. Yep. Uh, we are prone as human beings to want to work towards yep. righteousness, to want to achieve yep. righteousness uh, by what we can do, by our effort, by our toil. Yeah. And it is instruction given to us by the, the Sabbath that says, hey, in Jesus Christ, yeah. who is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, your toil is complete. No more effort needs to be put. Not one ounce of work uh, needs to be added towards the finished work of Christ. That's why we rest in him because of his finished work. And because in him we are made, we are, excuse me, to to be most precise, we are declared righteous. Uh, We are, we're cleansed. And and now when the Lord sees us, uh, when we stand before him at judgment day, those of us who are in Christ, uh, we will not be judged according to our efforts, according to our works, and according to our righteousness, but according to Christ, yeah. the righteousness that's alien to us. Right. And and that's what what I think we ought to be rightly directed to and pointed to when we think about rest and the Sabbath, uh, is that it's a rest from those things. And also it gets us a little bit to the distinction between the law and the gospel, uh, that there are many who, who see the law, and this was true in the Old Testament and in, in the life of even the Pharisees in the New Testament that Jesus would interact with, oftentimes uh, they attempted to achieve salvation, achieve righteousness by the law, by obedience to the law. And it was it, well, it was an effort in futility, but one that they were, were so committed to and deceived in believing that there was something there, to the point that there was the, the instance in Mark chapter 2 where the Pharisees see Jesus and his disciples, and they're gathering grain on the Sabbath and eating. And the Pharisees say, hey, how is that? What are you doing? It's yeah, not lawful yeah. for your disciples to gather grain and eat it on the Sabbath. That's work, and they're not allowed to do it on the Sabbath. They're breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And Jesus rebuked them, uh, and he said, and we've mentioned the verse already, but it's worth reading again. 
Jesus says, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and the Pharisees said to him, we'll start at, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 24. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house in the time of Ab- excuse me, Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Yeah. We see here Jesus pointing to this, uh, this again, a correction of the Pharisees to say, uh, you, they are not disobeying the law, these these men, as they eat, take this grain to eat it. They're not disobeying the law uh, by taking of this grain and eating it. Uh, you are misinterpreting the law and misusing and abusing the law uh, and applying all kinds of regulations to this, the Sabbath that was intended to point us to the coming rest that we have in Christ, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. And instead, you've taken this the Sabbath, this gift to man, and created a burden out of it. Right. You've made it a burden to where it was nearly impossible not to break the Sabbath right. uh, because of all the regulations and, and things that they put on it. Uh, they had taken this thing, this this day of rest that God had given for the benefit of mankind, and as a demonstration of the completed righteousness that we have in Christ, and they had taken it and, and they had distorted it yeah. and created a burden out of it. A yeah. very, very wicked, wicked thing that they had done. But what any of us do when we take a good gift and we elevate it to the wrong position or lower it to the wrong position, God intends all these things for our good, but they're good in the right place in the right time and all the rest of that, Um, which is, I think, another point to make about this is that um, this principle of God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in him helps us to understand the difference between rest and sleep as well. Because when you are resting in him and when you are working in him, you see he is doing the work. And he is guiding your rest. And then even when you're not working, he is. Mm. So that then you can then sometimes sleep and to go, you know what? Just because I'm not doing, just because I'm not getting it done right now, doesn't mean nobody's on it. Yeah. And this also points to the fact that you ought to be involved with a group of believers who you round you out, help you to see yourself for who you right. really are, and help you to be reminded of the gospel that, look, we appreciate your gifts, but we appreciate you. Because we know God loves you, not your gifts, not your talents, not your work ethic, not, none of that. Uh, we all need that. We all need to be known and loved and loved and known. But um, in regard to this, it explains why we sometimes have a hard time sleeping as well as resting. Because we can easily, the thing that you said is 100% true. And one of the dangers for all of us is the further you go in your walk with Christ, this temptation to Phariseeism never leaves you. Right. That you go, ah, now that I have so much understanding, quote unquote, let me grasp a little more of this and take charge of this a little more. It's like, nope, you always need to rest. You always need to yeah. rely on the peace that you have in Christ and the rest that you have in Christ. And we are prone to forgetting that at all times. Yeah. Um, so that's a danger. And, and we've pointed to some of these, but I want to state them very carefully because they're so important. Uh, the, there's, there's five points I have here, um, and, and I'll state them, and then we will move through them pretty quickly in sort of the 15, 20 minutes that we've got have left of this time. Uh, one, we will not achieve a complete rest until we are with God and this broken world is made right. Two, we can rest in the provision and love of God. 
Three, anxieties are lower fears that question everything from our peace with God to our concerns over what we may lose in the world and everything in between. Uh, four, God holds us in his hands and provides for us. We will have what he wants us to have. and We will not have what he does not want us to have. Mm-hmm. And then five, what we should be after is wholeness or shalom, what the Bible speaks of. That is the Hebrew word for peace. Um, and it involves a whole lot more than what we typically think of, which is the absence of hostilities. No, it, shalom means wholeness. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that the, the Jews and the Hebrews will wish and, and speak upon each other. They seek wholeness through their relationships. They, they bless each other, hoping for wholeness, peace, and all of it. Whereas we don't even, uh, in our words, t- typically think about that. Um, but th- neither happiness nor success will satisfy us. Um, so let Let's spend a little bit of time on each one of these. We will not achieve a complete rest until we are with God and this broken world is made right. Um, I already mentioned this scripture, come to me all you who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. And that is a statement from Jesus in Matthew 11. How have you experienced that in your life? The more I, I, one thing I can say for certain is that those times whenever I, I lean more heavily into Christ are the times when I experience the most rest. And it's amazing that oftentimes those are, uh, those are the moments in life when I have the most going on, it seems like. Um, who, who knows why that could be? It could be that in those times I'm maybe a little more um, looking for something like this a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I know that I have the need to be reminded of, of where rest comes from, and so I'm oftentimes refreshed by the Scriptures. Yeah. Um, I would point a lot of it to God's grace, but, um, but yeah, it, it's a true thing that— um, Apart from Christ, all there is is labor. Mm-hmm. Apart from Christ, all there is is uh, yeah, fruitless is labor. Toil. Yeah, yeah it's fruitless. Yeah, yeah. It's fruitless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are certainly as Christians we labor. Yeah, sure. And we work. Yeah. You know, and I think there is a, and maybe this could be a later podcast uh, uh, on the topic of vocation and work yeah. uh, for the glory of God. Um, but uh, as Christians, we work and we toil and we labor. But amidst all of that, we are able not just on a Sunday, not just um, while we're on vacation, but we are able to find rest, peace, um, and we're able to find it in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, as I was thinking about these, uh, I mean, think about all the applications of this second scripture here. Cast your cares or your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All I want to say, I mean, it's in First Peter uh, chapter 5. I, I, what I really want to say about that is if you haven't tried it, please try it. Yeah, it, it sounds strange, especially if, if you um, have not attempted it. And it's not it's not as if uh, these these prayers at first you go, I don't know what just happened. Did something happen? I, I asked Jesus to take some of my fears and anxieties. Watch. Wait and see. Um, it, 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 there are other good steps. You know, talk to other believers about those sort of things. Don't hide them in yourself. Fears gain such power when we don't speak about them. Yeah. Um, and acting as if nobody else knows our fears. Come on. Um, but uh, man. Uh, taste and see that he is good on that one cast your cares and your anxiety on him because he cares for you yeah i think also point number two we can rest in the provision and love of god um this a a lot of this is wrapped up in the gospel Mm -hmm. um i think one of the ways in which i need to be reminded of this often and why it's important that i and that we as christians regularly remind ourselves of the gospel is because we know our sinfulness yeah and um there might be days, there might be seasons, there might be moments in life when we, we feel the weight of our sin. Yeah. And it can easily get us to be discouraged. Um, we, can, we can doubt 
um, our standing before God yep. because of our own sin, because of our uh, our shortcomings, our failures. And it's in those moments that be, we need to be reminded of this truth that we rest in the provision and in the love of God. Um, yeah, some of us have this weird tendency to go, God, I can do better. Let me prove it to you. It's like, yeah. he knows what you can do. Stop it. Yeah. He is not looking at you going, yeah, I'm not quite sure what you can do. You, He yeah. knew who you were. <laughs> or even approaching forgiveness um, from God as though I'm going to confess my sin, but at the same time I have to really show and demonstrate my contrition. Yeah, sure. Uh, I have to really uh, just show God that I'm sorry for what I've done. And that's not what the gospel says. Yeah. Um, whatever it is you're thinking of that you can do to show God uh, enough that you're sorry or to show him uh, your whatever, your your uh, your distress over your sin, yeah. um, whatever it is, all of that, what you're ultimately doing is you're, you're referring back to yourself and your performance mm-hmm. uh, to somehow uh, get yourself in right standing with the Lord. And, and the gospel says, look, Whoever confesses his sin, God is faithful and he is just to forgive you your sin right. and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yeah. It doesn't say, hey, confess your sin, but before you do, or at the same time, do these acts of of, of, of penance or yeah, of contrition, sure. yeah. uh, and then you can know that the Lord has forgiven you. No, you can know that the Lord has forgiven you because all the punishment, all the wrath that yeah. you deserve because of all of your sin has been laid upon Christ at the cross. Right. It's been poured out upon him. Right. You speak it to him. And this is one new, one area where it's great news that we are a spirit body union. He says, yeah, use that mouth of yours. Yeah. And you speak out. Yeah. Confess and you turn from those sins. Yeah. You know, there's no power in you to do that. You speak it to me and you watch. See yeah. what happens. One, you, one area in which I think I've seen this especially poignantly and I always want to speak against is, is whenever we take the Lord's Supper, at our church. Uh, we take the Lord's Supper once a week at our church. We take it every week. Um, you guys take it once a quarter. Is yeah. that correct? So when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, um, it's something that the, the Lord calls us to do. The Bible commands us to do as, as believers, as the church. But what oftentimes people think, and it is a serious thing. Right? Yeah. It, it's a, it's an ordinance of the church. Uh, I don't really shy away too much from the word sacrament, other than it sometimes causes people confusion. But uh, But it is something that that we are called to take very seriously as a church. And Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians as though it was very serious, and it was taken, it was being abused, being taken in, un, in unworthy and in wrong ways in the church at Corinth. And Paul says, therefore, uh, many of you have gotten sick and some have even died yeah. because of, of how you are abusing the Lord's Supper. It should be taken seriously. But what does bother me is whenever I see people or hear of people who say, well, I didn't take the Lord's Supper this time, because I just I was really sinful this week. Yeah, or, that's not an understanding this morning that shows or, us any sort of maturity about it. Yeah, right. It, it's a misunderstanding, and I've known people that have, even people who are have been believers for a while and and know the truth, they can come to this this place and, and think um, I have to properly cleanse myself yeah. uh, before I can take of the Lord's supper. Yeah, uh, and and to that I I say. Don't think that way about Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because in no way could you ever do enough to cleanse yourself, if that's what you're relying on, to a, to take the Lord's Supper in a right way. If that's the standard you've put up, it's a standard you yourself cannot meet. Yeah. The yeah. Bible is clear that what we're doing when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when when we when we read even in the New Testament where Jesus says, uh, 
this bread is my body yeah. broken for you. Yeah. And he says, this cup is the new covenant and yeah. my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remembrance of me. He's, he's declaring for us and to us that the wrath of God has been taken. That's uh, what the prophet Isaiah says in, in Isaiah 53. Uh, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He right. bore our, our trespasses and our iniquities. All of that is on display in the Lord's Supper to say the punishment for your sin has been taken. The cleansing has been accomplished through Christ's blood, which is represented in this grape juice. All we do is we confess our sin sure. and we're forgiven. Yeah, and so the posture we're landing in here is, oh, come on, run to Christ. I mean, it's, run run, to Christ. it's the yeah. grace is available. I will say there are some messes that we get into that may take some time. Um, so, for instance, in our church, we have people who have gone through a divorce and praise mm-hmm. God are worshiping in the same church. And they do take the Lord's Supper. But I also know that they don't have curses in their heart toward each other. There's not, now look, after a divorce, there's not often a situation where people go, every detail of everything is all worked out. We're just completely on the same page about. Sure. No, but you can know if in your heart there is enmity, se- angry separation from someone. Sure. And, and you can know in your heart if you go, no, there's peace. I, I, the, the peace of Christ that yeah. I, I wish good for them and... I want them to walk with the Lord just as I want to walk with the Lord. And I think that relates to this other scripture that I have on this point, which is in First John chapter 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. And this, these are deep waters, but really what I want to say is that we do live lives of love. We should seek to walk in the love of God. I mean, to, to, to live the gospel, the reason why I believe that in Ephesians 6, what you see is the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is as we are speaking the gospel, it will reveal that some are hostile to the gospel, which they're, in, they're at odds with God in that point, and some are then open to the gospel, and we will then speak that peace, or they will have their own dealings with God on that. And perfect love casts out fear. It means you ought to be set on living a life of love and knowing that you are in the, God is holding you in his hands. So you don't have to live in fear that something may happen and God will go, oh no, how could that happen? But know that, that we live these lives that are, that are set, that are fueled, guided uh, by the love of Christ. Um, and, and that's so important for us. Um, I, I want to point then to the, the third uh, point here. Anxieties are, are lower fears um, that question everything from our peace with God to our concerns over what we may lose in this world. Uh, I think we are so confused about the nature of anxiety in our time that you, you hear people talk about how strange it is that they have this anxiety and that fear and that, you know, we have lots of different names for fears. We call them concerns. We call them stressors. Um, um, okay, yeah, we're small little creatures that without some basic uh, needs being met every day, we will be very dead. Mm-hmm. And those, it is not different in our spiritual life. Um, there is not just spiritual um, fountains popping up out of every corner of this world. We are actually draining all of any fountains that have been there uh, in many corners of this world. Uh, but meanwhile... We are surprised by these anxieties. When anxiety is the normal state of man, apart from God, you ought to be afraid, okay? Yeah. You're in the wilderness, and there are things out there that may kill you. Uh, that's, that's what our world is. It's a dangerous place. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. He, I mean, it's, it's not a metaphor that he goes to the wilderness. 
He shows us that he can endure physical wilderness as well as spiritual wilderness. We're just surprised that we can't endure spiritual wilderness, which is what we're in. Um, and so uh, Psalm 111, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, a good understanding. Have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Over in Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says again, we are woefully unaware of even why we have anxieties. Yeah. We, we think it's strange. Well, on the one hand, it is strange because Adam and Eve in the garden did not have anxieties, but sure. they got to walk with God, and we were all made to walk with God, and we don't in this broken world. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, a basic question then is, oh, goodness, okay, is there any hope? Well, yes, there is, but not on your own. Sure. And that's just where we are. Yeah. That's what Paul says in, uh, in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, yeah. but in all things by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord. I'm, I'm struck, off, struck oftentimes by, um, and I don't mean to oversimplify anything, but, uh, but at the same time, you know, I see, and, and I, I could think of many people, people that I know and love, um, who deal a lot with anxiety and struggle with things and are yeah, anxious. Yes they're, yes, yes. they're anxious. Um, and I, I, I wonder about this question. If the Lord says, do not be anxious about anything, um, that would seem to me to imply, uh, that there is a cure to anxiety, perhaps not completely in this life. I know that, yeah. uh, but certainly there, there is a remedy to it, um, in Jesus. And, and so that does make me think perhaps we need to, to look more into this and, and to see, Hey, is there, is there something we're missing? Yeah, sure. Uh, when we, even those who claim Christ are still yet so stricken with anxiety rather than the peace of God, right. which he promises us in his word. You know, the question right. has to be, are you, are you casting your cares upon him? Right. And, and, and listen, other Christians will teach you how to do that. You got to be, if you're hungry, you got to present yourself as hungry. If you're thirsty, you got to present yourself as thirsty and say, yeah. say you need help. Um, yeah. This is what we're here for with each other. Um, Jesus is just as bold. Do not worry. Look, you think you're going to be clothed as well as that flower over there? God knows you need clothing. You think you're going to eat as well as the birds who God provides for every day? He knows what you need. All these levels, he does. Um, so there's a lot to work out there. Um, and, and no, we're not trying to, uh, there are fears that we struggle with. Uh, we shouldn't struggle alone. We don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to. And and um, and so let's not. Um, number four, God holds us in his hands and provides for us. We will have what he wants us to have. We will not have what he does not want us to have. Uh, John 16, uh, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace, Jesus says. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredible. Um, he knows we will struggle with peace. Yeah. Uh, look, if you found out today that somebody you love has cancer, yeah, it, it's okay that you don't respond to that immediately with peace. Yeah. You will, it will it, loving people is a challenging thing. You will hurt when they hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we're experiencing this in, in, in our church family right now. And uh, I sat down with a friend of mine whose wife is going through this just yesterday um, it, it's, it's in my family as well. And, uh, there, there, there are many things that temporarily will take away peace because th- this world is broken in every way it can be. And that's not surprising to the Lord. Um, in Jesus, there is peace. Yeah. 
you will need to run to him to achieve the peace even to make it through today. Yep. Uh, you will. We, that's why we do. <laughs> that's why we wake up every day going, I'm probably going to need to start this whole thing again. Uh, it tells me his mercies are new and I'm going to need to go get those because this is challenging. Yeah. Um, but yes, the, the, this is what we have to do. Um, remind ourselves and have others who love us enough to remind us that God is holding us in his hand. That's right. And that we're not alone. We have what he wants us to have. And we will not have what he won't. Um, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God because it's not always going to go the way you think it ought to go. Uh, number five, what we should be after is wholeness or shalom. That's what we hope and pray for. And what we, in much fear and trepidation, uh, God tells us, yeah, one day I'll make you whole again. And, and, and that may be quick and it may not be quick, but. And that's something that, that does not come through uh, absence of anything to do or absence uh, of any difficulties. Uh, but in fact, uh, this kind of peace is something that, that transcends all of those things, life mm-hmm. circumstances. Uh, it, it's funny, we, we say this about all the things that, that are true of us in Christ Jesus, but uh, our joy, our satisfaction, our contentment, our peace, all of those things are things that we have in Christ, available in Him, that transcend our life circumstances. Yeah. Meaning that you can be very busy. Indeed, you can be working three jobs uh, and be taking seminary classes. I don't know, I've heard someone does that. Uh, and you can still have right. peace, uh, a peace that transcends all of those things. And a peace that to a certain, to a certain degree to many people seems unreasonable. Uh, and yet, this is what the kind of peace that comes from knowing Christ. Yep. It's a peace that is foreign to the world, uh, but is something that's promised to believers. What a joy that is, that this is what's Absolutely. been promised to us, this kind of peace, this kind of rest, um, and all of it rooted in Christ and completely uh, free of charge. Yep. Something that we do not uh, pay anything towards or do anything to earn. Yep. Uh, it's something that's yep. given as a gift in Christ Jesus. One of the many blessings that he's given us. There's a down payment on the kingdom of heaven in our hearts right now, and that is the promised Holy Spirit who already lives with us and will never live with us more, though uh, Though we will become more acquainted as, as eternity goes on. We already have this seal, and it's wonderful. It is... Um, it is a powerful thing. It really is um, to live even the way we do right now. And yeah. I believe we'll remember the struggles that we have and, and um, to some degree fondly um, for all eternity because this is a story. We are, the Bible says, trophies of God's grace. That he came and got us. Yeah. And we are needing that. Somebody come and get us yeah. out of this mess. Um, in the meantime, uh, we are not after success. We're not after fame um we are after god's peace we are after we want him um why because he has made us for himself that is what our hearts are after there's no happiness outside of that if you're looking for happiness with with god not being a part of it it's not there yep it's not there he's made us for himself and and our hearts are restless since they find rest in him but they will they will um uh, another scripture that, that comes to my mind here uh, in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, the Jews and the Gentiles, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Um, the work has already been done. Uh, labor produces leisure. The work, the main part of the work has already been done, so we can start resting in him now, and we should. Amen. Well, Jackson, I reckon that'll do it for us. This has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future.